And we're on Hollywood Boulevard. Hello. And we're, Hi. we're driving with some special guests. Yeah, we got a full car tonight. So, Karen, pleasure as always. Um, on my end, Don't I want to welcome. <laughs> what? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I want to welcome on my end, special guest star, roommate, fiance extraordinaire, Alyssa Marr. We'll be talking Hi. about pop culture items with us. And Karen, who have you got? I have a very special guest star, too. Welcome, very special guest, Sid. Hi. Hey, yeah. welcome. <laughs> so Sid's not going to be with us long uh, tonight. So um, we're going to kick it off with a conversation about a play that I did not see, but Doug Sid and Alyssa. I'm assuming Alyssa, you saw it too. Alyssa did okay. see it. Clyde at second stage. Yep, uh, Clyde's technically. It's the oh, name Clyde's of a character, a, but it's Clyde's also the name of a like a a restaurant that the title character owns. Um, right. So Clyde. Sid, you and were you were in the city what a couple weeks ago, I guess, and saw it, or maybe more recently. I think it was like a week ago now. Oh, real yeah, recently. Week, oh, so. wow. Just yeah. just before all the cancellations really started happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She got in. She got she slid right in there. Yeah. And it was great. I loved it. I was a little, I was questioning whether I was going to like it for the first like 15 minutes. Um, I don't know if that's how you guys felt, but as soon as it started to ramp up. So I'm just curious, like how you found out about it or how you chose or why you chose um to go see it (laughs) well there was a little bit of a mishap in the beginning because i got tickets for diana which i didn't realize had some questionable reviews okay so (laughs) you know so mom we want to go see a show what should we go see and i so i give them a laundry list of shows right and then i said whatever you do do not go see diana because i don't uh, the notes in my phone weren't clear on <laughs> what was a yes and what was a no. So they were all just kind of listed and we picked one. Um, Whatever you do, <laughs> don't go see Diana. It's supposed to be terrible. I don't know, though. People love there are, People had people lost had their mind over the show. They, yeah. Why? Because it's campy. And- yeah, they're like finding camp value in it that I... I like didn't really see. I mean, what I'm getting at basically, Sid, is whatever hoops you had to jump through, I think you kind of dodged a bullet and you you ended up with the better show. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So basically she texts and says, we've got tickets to Diana. And I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. We thought about just kind of like sucking it up and going, but I'm glad we didn't. One, because Clyde's was very good, and two, because Spencer is coming out this year. That would have been a lot of Princess Diana. It's a lot of Princess yeah. Diana and you can going also on. See, yeah. You can also see Diana the Musical on Netflix, Netflix. can't you? That, which is what there, we right? did. So we didn't. We never saw Diana on stage ourselves. We only saw it on Netflix, which I feel like, well, we can't now because the show has come and gone. It just closed. But um, we feel like we got it. And we got enough of it. So you have that option. Whereas like Clyde's is well worth seeing in person. So good on you. Yes. yes. And I did not realize it at the time for some reason. But Ron Cephas Jones was in it. And I was like, Jesus, you got to see him on stage. That's amazing. Because he's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's, he has it's a gorgeous voice. It's a like uniformly 
solid cast of really good actors, mm-hmm. some of which are a little bit better known than others. But um, but yeah, Ron Cephas Jones is great. So what what is the what's the sort of like storyline? What, what what's happening in this play? Well, a lot. He wants to, sort he wants of. to take it. Yeah, go for it. I can attempt it. I, it's so Clyde's is like a. I'm pretty sure this is sent in Pennsylvania. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it's like a trucker diner sort of situation, and um, these uh, recently released um, people from the uh, prison, right, um, working in the kitchens, and it's just like about their life after being incarcerated and what that looks like and getting back on their feet and that sort of thing. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that really covers it. Um, and it's written by Lynn Nottage, a playwright who had also written about like, like working class and and some disadvantaged people in her show Sweat, uh, which was mm-hmm. on Broadway like four years, five years ago maybe, uh, and won a Pulitzer. She'd won a Pulitzer even further back. She's a two time winner. Um, and Sweat was also set in Pennsylvania. Um, so it's like a segment of, of life that seems to really pique her curiosity. And yeah, so it's um, this trucker diner is run by this woman who hires people when they are released. Um, and this helps them re-enter society and gives them the stability and the salary of a job. Um, and so we see the action in the kitchen as several of these people all interact, um, including one who is like brand new, newly released um, and and is like trying to reintegrate to the world. So Clyde, the one who runs the place and has a really domineering, intimidating personality is played by Uzo Aduba of Orange is okay. the New Black, among other, and now in treatment on HBO and who's really good. So like top to bottom, really, really good cast. Um, and yeah, and a lot of it is just, we get to learn the stories. In some ways it's similar to Orange is the New Black, which I'm not sure if you've seen, but um, like we get to learn more about their situations and their predicaments and what led to their incarcerations and some of the challenges they find um, upon their release and some of which were there before and have come right back now that they're in the real world again um it's primarily a a humorous show but there's definitely a lot of heft to it as well um and one of the other actors in the show is one that Alyssa and i are particularly big fans of his name is edmund donovan um he's done a couple shows in the past off broadway that i think he's been stellar in he won a drama desk the last season that they gave him um for best actor in a play uh and it's nice to see that now he's actually moved to broadway so i was uh, very happy for him yeah we really like the show very cool. I have a quick question. It, was there some sort of like a, a I don't know, a, a dramatic arc to this? Like, was there some like was there some sort of like what was kind of, or was it just the sort of interactions between these uh, these formerly incarcerated folks? Um, there is a dramatic there. There's not a typical. I, at least I, I'll speak for myself. I don't think there's a typical arc in terms of like rising action and things are escalating as much as um, it's a little episodic, like day after day after day of these chefs putting these sandwiches and and such together in the kitchen. Um, and by the way, some of the writing about food is really mouthwatering. Um, 
But Clyde herself as a character keeps existing as a threat that you don't want to cross because if you if you lose your job or if you piss her off, one phone call back to, you know, like the prison system could could end the freedom that you've just started to enjoy again. That's uh, that's okay. kind of the thing that looms over the show. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, I would agree that there isn't one. It's kind of when I was watching it, I kept kind of thinking that there's like these kind of mini plot lines that could start mm-hmm. um, that aren't like fully developed yet. But I feel like that's pretty um, like a good mirror of real world of like these tiny plot lines that never actually happen to be anything. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Also, and I don't um, know the it, I don't know the details of this. I do know that um the, the, that second stage is making this place streamable, but I don't know exactly mm-hmm. how and when and cost or what. I don't know what the details are. Um, it is but going I, to be streamable for a couple of performances in January. I actually oh, okay. might try and stream it. Um. So yeah, final two weeks of its run, January fourth through sixteenth. And so, yeah, you can um, you can actually stream it. Uh, worth it. Yeah. Definitely. So, oh, it's a, it's going to be a five to seven camera shoot edited live as the performance happens. Ooh. You know, that's so pretty, it's gonna that's be, more I, than I knew. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that that's going to be pretty. That's going to be a pretty good um, shoot. You know, I think that's going to look really good. So, I totally. I think, I think I it's forty nine dollars. It's the whatever the cost of the cheapest ticket. Gotcha. Is. is what the cost is for the simulcast yeah oh cool i think it's worth doing it then i do i think so i recommend it i think it's a really entertaining play yeah cool. and just to like circle back to your question at the beginning doug why we picked it mm-hmm. um i think i didn't read anything about it at all it was honestly just i saw a picture of the set which was amazing i really loved the set a lot um and of it is a good Uzo set Aduba you're absolutely and, right yeah 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 and of Uzoduba and one of her uh, like outfits throughout which were all amazing, <laughs> amazing and I was just, right? like, yeah they were great um yeah and one thing I really appreciated like as part of the set was that there were no blackouts really maybe there was one at the end but you could see all of the set pieces moving which I really yeah, love that's right yeah yeah, the set is gorgeous. Like you look at the pictures of it, and it's just like, oh my god, that looks like you're in a kitchen. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just out of curiosity, who did you see it with? Um, I saw it with a friend who just goes to college um, in uh, Connecticut. Did they like it too? Yeah, she loved cool. it. Um, yeah. Is I she a theater major or a theater cool. minor? Um. I don't know. I know she sees a lot of theater. She's from London, so I know she sees a lot of stuff over there. But um, I don't think she's minoring or majoring in it. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure. Cool. All right. Cool. So that's Clyde's. That's Clyde's. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us for this one. Yeah. Uh, it was great to have you join the boulevard. Yeah. Okay, cool. So if you want to go to bed, go to bed. Okay. <laughs> how do I log out? I think you just don't you just leave? Okay, I'll try it. Bye. All right. Love you, Kim. Bye, Sid. Bye, Sid. <laughs> you too. Bye. And now we're gonna leave Broadway and we're gonna go head towards the movies. Is that where we're going? Au contraire. I think we're gonna stay on Broadway. Alyssa and I are gonna talk about a bunch of our favorite things this holiday podcast. Um so Alyssa, why don't you 
why don't you um, help us out with the intro? Sure. So, um, we're going. Doug and I saw Flying Over Sunset at Lincoln Center, the new James Lapine. Um, Michael, it's Michael Corey who did it, not Scott Frankel. Michael Corey and uh, Tom Kitt musical. Um, and very briefly, it is about Cary Grant and Aldous Huxley and Claire Booth Luce doing LSD. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. How'd that turn out? Um, so, them had its ups and downs <laughs> <laughs> for the, sh- the show has its ups and downs too um it's definitely it's a non-traditional type of musical which is probably a little bit of a surprise it's a big budget lincoln center show um helmed by james lapine uh who has famously worked on several really successful um shows with stephen sondheim um and like one of them Sunday in the Park with George. Um, yes, R.I.P. Steve. Um, like Sunday in the Park with George. This one is not like a standard cookie cutter number to number show. It's a bit more intellectual. It's a bit less accessible, though I still think pretty easy to understand and, and get into. Um, but yeah, it's one that like it. You know, like I think the music is sophisticated. I think the plotting, which is largely about these three people from distinct walks of life dealing with grief and trauma. I mean, the LSD is there as a salve. Um, like, I just think the show is is experimenting, so to speak, with things that no show with this big a budget on Broadway has typically done uh, in recent memory. Even the ones that you think like, oh, these are experimental shows because they're not formulaic like i don't know what people would want to say fun home for one example this is this goes way beyond that and the cast is really good like we we are siding very firmly with this show is really good i understand a lot of people just didn't know what to make of it and because it's inscrutable have kind of written it off as like this is a bad trip like insert whatever other pun that you want and i'm firmly on the side of like in time, I think history will be kinder, perhaps, than, than some audiences have been to it now. Though they're divided. It's not all one side or the other. Um, well, I had a great time. <laughs> Alyssa, why don't you talk more about the cast? <laughs> well, the thing is, wait, I, I, think, I think we have to tell this story. So Doug and I were watching a little um, stupid thing on Showtime about Cary Grant doing LSD. And... Um, Whoever they got to play Cary Grant was a terrible Cary Grant. And I was like, you know, the only person. I, I see where this is morning, going already. So. Who, should play Carrie, who should play Cary Grant is Tony Yazbek. And I can't explain it. I just love Cary Grant. And I love Tony Yazbek. Tony Yazbek, who is truly like the one great triple threat currently working. Tap dance extraordinaire, really solid acting for someone whose background is song and dance, and also a very good singer. So, having said that, back to you, Alyssa. He's a, he's a, I I refer to him as a quadruple threat because he's so handsome. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and I let, and I let her. (laughs) Yeah, Doug Doug has seen him six times in concert. Oh my God. You're a good sport, Doug. (laughs) Um, I know, I know. But, 
So then, like, later that week, I was at work, and they announced that the show was coming with Tony Asbeck as Cary Grant, and I, like, ran from my desk to call Doug, and I think in four years, I've called him three times, and none like only one of them is actually important and he i think he thought something was really wrong i, and I was like I, 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 guess I was like what's wrong are you at the hospital <laughs> yeah. it, it was one was shade like, away no, from who died yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like i have to tell you this now <laughs> um and then it got postponed because of uh the pandemic and the shutdown but um i mean for him alone, I, I loved it, you know, getting, he should be a bigger star than he is. You know, he's got the Tony nomination, nomination for On the Town. Like he's done a lot. He's been, he's worked a lot. He's been doing Broadway since he was nine years old. He does a lot of concerts. He does a lot of like concert productions, but he deserves to be a bigger star. And it's, so it's nice to see him in like a brand new musical at this, um, magnitude with a starring role so for that reason alone i loved it yep and for that for that reason alone uh i made a point of us going and we will be going back god willing with cancellations in a couple weeks um yeah really really solid night at the theater could not recommend it higher and it's not a challenging show it's just different so i encourage everyone who wants something just a little different to check it out there's not a bad seat in the house it's long you know it's almost three hours long it's ambitious um but it's you know it's not your traditional narrative arc but it's really i think the ambition is worth seeing alone you know the score is really great the cast is really great you know harry hayden Patton and um carmen cusack Carmen Cusack, thank you, are are great too. So, um, I really recommend it. Cool. Yeah. So that's two. That's that's two Broadway wrecks right there for you guys. All right. So what else we got, guys? What else? What else? Okay. So really quickly, we're gonna talk about a pair of movies that are linked by one of the stars, who again is someone Alyssa happens to think is very handsome and talented. (laughs) Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. (laughs) These are a few of my favorite things. (laughs) So, uh, Alyssa, which one should we talk about first? The one we saw first? Let's talk about licorice pizza. Okay. Have you heard of this one? I have heard of this one, and I'm curious. Okay. Actually, let's talk about Nightmare Alley first because I've less to say about Nightmare Alley. Okay. So we just saw Nightmare Alley four or five days ago. Okay. Nightmare Alley is what we're. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which is, it's a Guillermo del Toro remake of a 1947 movie by the same title with um, Tyrone Power. And Joan Blondell. Oh, right, right. right. Is this is this streaming and or is this only in theaters? Not yet, but it's oh, Nightmare no. Alley. <laughs> yeah, it's only movie. Yeah, um, and the original is really great. Like, yeah, it's, remember, it's. I think it's 
It's a really good noir, yeah. It's really terrific. Um, and I really like the remake. I don't think it's any better than... I don't think it improves on the original. It certainly fleshes out a lot of things. It's like... I think the original is like an hour 40 or so, hour 50, and this is about two and a half hours. So it definitely expands on a lot of things. And I don't think it's... Like, it's not like, oh, why'd they remake it? I think... I think it was like a perfect really movie to remake because it's a solid but not like masterpiece film from old Hollywood mm -hmm. but like all the pieces worked it's just kind of forgotten so this is the kind of thing didn't have enormous stars that everyone still knows of now so it was kind of like a good property in that respect to sort of rediscover um and this is like the old-fashioned hollywood treatment like big budget it's a period film set in like the late 30s to the early 40s and you see the money on the screen with like lavish cinematography and production design and makeup and costumes and sound work um uh which like guillermo del toro has sort of evolved from like a little bit of like pulp effects work to like big budget stuff especially with the shape of water and this yeah. follows in that trend but then he also gets these terrific actors um in addition to bradley uh there's Kate blanchett and tony collette and richard jenkins um david strathairn willem dafoe, and willem dafoe is in it rooney mara is in it. i mean this is a solid cast all doing a level work um it it's it's just a really good movie that tells the story starts at the circus of the time and then eventually moves into what, uh, um, you know, Bradley Cooper's character um, tries to be like a medium who can communicate between the living and the past. Um, and, and there's some scheming involved there. Uh, being a little vague yeah, on he's, purpose he's there. He's a con artist. It's advertised as such. Um, and he's also a survivor. Like, he's done what he has to do to, to get by, especially in that time period. I mm -hmm. think, and I don't know what happened here because it's a big budget movie from a big studio. They really bungled the promotion. In, really? Especially because, like, there almost was. I mean, I didn't see anyone from this show, do, from this movie, doing, like, a round of talk show interviews. I didn't see weeks and weeks of advance hype for this the way I do for like the typical big budget holiday release. Yes, times are different right now, but this was a movie that was still going into the movie theaters and those few still benefited from lots and lots of hype. I mean, look at the Spider-Man movie. Every single cast member was all over the place. And I didn't see that with anyone involved, not even Guillermo del Toro himself, who's a name and can sell movies. Yeah, that's so true. I really that's think weird. the studio bungled Where it. Where was Bradley Cooper? He Like I've yeah. seen his name. I knew he was in something. I kind of didn't put it. And I knew that this movie was coming out. Girl, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe I, I don't know. I, maybe he didn't, but it's, but no one did, you know, it's weird. It's unfortunate. And the performance is like, it's such a movie star performance. Yeah. In the best way, um, in, the, in the best way possible. The, we, like, I, I don't want yeah. for that to be construed as, oh, it's a movie star, so it's not really good. Like, no, this is like screen acting done brilliantly with depth. Like, uh, yeah, I'm. If someone else played this role, if someone else had pushed, this is an Oscar winning part. That's what we mean. 
Yeah, see, this is, okay, so this is a head-scratcher, because it's not like, I mean, you say Bradley Cooper, people would, like, jump to have him on, like, a late-night talk show, or, like, a morning show, like, so I'm a little bit head-scratched about why he wasn't trotted out for these, you know, appearances, and I mean, not like I read a lot of magazines these days, although I do have my eye on things, I've not seen a magazine interview with him, I have not seen, you know, he's not showing up on the cover of Vanity Fair, Mm -hmm. like, what's going on? No. I think it's a, I think the only explanation is that it's a Fox Searchlight movie and Disney owns Fox and Spider-Man came out the same weekend. You know, we saw reports of that, like movies were canceling screenings of Nightmare Alley so they could fit more (gasps) Spider-Man. Oh. Isn't that crazy? you You know, this is a bigger conversation that Doug and I have all the time about, like, I know there are people who are still uncertain and don't want to go sit in a movie theater like we've gone to four movies since they've reopened and there's like a weird like can we take our mask off if we eat like should we like people don't know what to do three out of the four movies we've seen have been pretty empty so we've been able to social distance but like Mm -hmm. I know that exists for people but I also think there's this mentality of it's streaming or it's going to stream in two weeks or I can watch it on demand in two weeks. And I just think that if you don't make like, if people want to see them in the movies and if you give them no choice, they'll go like, look at Spider-Man. It's made like $750 million worldwide already. And so this like defeatist attitude that movie studios have is like well really and i also think that they're discounting the streaming audience which i think is a really big mistake i mean i like i kind of i, I don't understand what the hang-up is with you know and we're seeing it in live theater as well and i understand live theater can be a little bit different mm-hmm. because it's about the live experience yada 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 but at the same time having like having a simulcast of clyde's for example i'm going to be able to see it mm-hmm. You, you know, because I'm not gonna right. haul. I'm, gonna, I'm not hauling ass to go to the city to sit, sit in a theater with a bunch of, you know, yahoos from Second State. Like not. I'm not gonna right. do that, right? Um, you know, especially because when I get there, is the show gonna be canceled? Right? We I don't know. I mean, yeah, and you don't that's obviously a major don't, concern right now. Yeah, we don't have that problem with movie. You know, because a movie's a movie, and it's not a contingent on playing with live actors on stage. But at the same time. There is an audience that doesn't want to spend a gazillion dollars to sit in a theater with somebody coughing behind them. I don't. Um, You know, so, God, it was impossible for me to go to a movie before. Imagine now. Well, I was going to (laughs) say, it was already an unpleasant experience in many ways in the before times. Yep. And then for somebody like me who has to sit in a very particular spot, you know, I lose a whole afternoon if I want to go to the movies. (laughs) So I don't like I don't know I just kind of feel like you know people's resistance too to the streaming you know, or studios resistance to the streaming also is like I don't get it like it's like the, there's a technology that exists that people are willing to pay for right like this is like people are willing to pay for it to stream to watch it and they're not embracing that either yeah, I mean, I don't like saying this, but 
I would be willing to pay more for these streaming subscriptions we have if it really meant greater access to all of the things. I think you'd find a lot of people would do that as well. But I don't know. In this case, it's. I just think 20th Century Fox should have been more committed and put their money where their already money was mm-hmm. and be like, yeah. this is a theater, this is a big deal, big budget movie we're releasing on screens. Let's go full throttle with with promotion, with marketing, you know, because, with getting it in as many I theaters. This, this could have gotten like three acting nominations yeah. and then nominated for everything else. It probably will get like best technical categories. And- yeah. Oh, you think? I mean, do you think it could have like if it if it is like an awards movie, kind of like didn't like Nomadland have a little bit of a ramp up because it got right? Like it didn't, or or am I wrong that it it needed the like awards bump to really get audiences to look at it? I feel like that happens uh, a lot. I don't know. I just also yeah. I, I just think it needed. I think it needed like the audience to be there to validate it more in the first place to get, to more, get more nominations. Yeah. I feel I like know. the credibility right now isn't there. Yeah. And I don't know. Also, I think Alyssa, you're spot on. It's a searchlight. It's a Fox searchlight. It's not necessarily yeah. coming out of like the big budget arm of the studio. Right. Like, you know, and, and in that regard, like, I kind of feel like if you have like a Sony, you know, Oh God, what was the Sony one? Was it Sony Pictures Classic? No, that wasn't it. Was it the independent arm that was? Uh... Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that their independent right. arm. Like if you have like Sony the, Pictures Classic, yeah, or a Searchlight or something like that, like, then stream it, right? Because it was always yeah. hard to get audiences to go to these smaller independent films. I mean, you know, but in the before times, independent cinemas were shutting down. You know, the, that would, you know, the cinemas that would screen independent films were closing right and left. You know, we don't have, we have one left in the state. Right. We used to have a few. Um, and we've got one left. And, and I think that that just holds, holds on because of, you know, it's, it's right by Brown University. And I also think that there's a nostalgia thing there, mm. you know, be, but it just, it's hanging on for whatever reason. But independent, you know, these independent film houses can't seem to make a go of it you know i mean look at how many we lost in new york paris cinema right all of them pretty much yeah, yeah. paris it's owned yeah. by netflix now we i mean even we went to the angelica a couple of weeks ago and they're not they're showing a lot of move they were showing like french dispatch they were getting ready to show being the ricardos and we were like why is being the ricardos here it's an amazon movie like you know I guess they're showing more high, like big, bigger budget movies or like more high profile movies, probably to get people in. But yeah, I yeah. think that's what it is. So I think that when you have like a smaller and like you know a smaller film, let's I mean because I mean in no way it's Nightmare Alley considered an independent yeah. film, but let's say it's not a Spider Man, it's not a Marvel, you know, it's not one of the, it's not starring The Rock, right? maybe maybe right. yeah. maybe the studio should look to streaming because that's where the audience is going to be yeah cuz i think the people who want to see these things are willing to wait or they're willing to just stream it i mean Doug and i have streamed a lot of things 
because we're like, well, what, like King Richard and Spencer and Power the Dog? Because we're just like, why? Why go? Well, I mean, okay, so look, I'm looking at Showtime's for Nightmare Alley, right? Nightmare Alley near me. And it's only playing once. Like, do you know, (laughs) right? Like, it's like, it's like got these weird. Yeah, it's like, why are you hiding this movie? It's like, okay, we're going to show it a. 545 and 845 and that's it yeah it's strange i mean guillermo del toro it's his oscar you know the follow the follow-up to his oscar win bradley cooper's movies make a ton of money like people should want to see you know i think i i mean i loved it but it also was like i think it's a I think it could have a far reach. You know, I said to Doug, it was like, it felt mm-hmm. like a Tim Burton movie. Like, you know, there's a lot of great things about it. And I don't, I don't know why they buried it. And it could be a big Oscar. And, but, and like you contender. said, like maybe, you know, they, why did they bury it? I mean, I don't know. Was it the studio burying it? Or was it, is it the distributors that are like, no, 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 I want more Spider-Man? I think probably both. Yeah, I mean, the, in some way it has to be the studio because they certainly didn't drive it further into the conversation. Um, and they had every reason to do that. Could This could have been a leading film when people talked about this year. And for whatever reason, yeah. they just bungled it. Yeah, I mean, who's to say? Like, I have no idea, right? I like... But we recommend it. So <laughs> if you guys are listening and thinking about it and can find yeah, it. I can find it. Yes, yes, oh, at the so last I- minute, it may turn out to be a Spider-Man showing, but it's <laughs> I do have to say one thing, though. Um, no Unbiased opinion, but Bradley Cooper is giving the best leading actor performance this year in that movie. By and far, and I'm not, I'm not biased, and I, I you concur. Know, I always thought that he was Co-sign. so underrated for the longest time. Like, remember, I remember when he was on Alias, and I yep. thought he was like, so good in that and i i know every, everybody like rolled their eyes at him and i think it's because he's good looking yeah he can't you know i feel like there is this um a lot of people have this problem that they can't get past like for some reason they can't accept him as like a prestige actor because they can't get past his like sort of like rom commy comedy alias past yeah silver linings playbook past um and I also think he doesn't really um, promote himself. Like, he's very private when he's not doing a movie. He's private when he's doing a movie, as evident by Nightmare Alley. But, um, you know, he lives in New York. I think he, he's not one to promote himself. And I think that's hurts him. You know, he's not out there saying, I worked so hard to do this movie, and I learned how to read minds in real life, and I really <laughs> went to Carnival. <laughs> no, like, you know, he's not out there saying that. Like, the most you got was that he was like, I learned how to sing to do A Star is Born, but don't ask me to ever sing again. And, you know, people are like, how dare he? How dare he? How dare he wear a backwards hat? Why is he like this? How dare he? You know, like, so I could go on forever. And Doug has to hear this every day of his life. Hey, but Doug gets I, to I hear this every day. He is underrated. He is underrated. I agree. No, I, I he agree. Has, he has zero for eight at the Oscars. Granted, there's some Best Picture nominees in there and a screenplay, but he's zero for eight. He's been, Which is crazy. Crazy. 
that is Pace. Like yes. the Susan Lucci of the Oscars. Getting there. But nobody ever says he's overdue. Oh, he's overdue. You know, like everybody else is overdue. He's That's not really interesting because, I mean, I have to say, like, in terms of, like, star power, like, I totally think Brad- Bradley Cooper has it. And it's so yeah. funny that people aren't, you know, sort of going, he's, because, you, you know, you know that they would be saying it about, like, Tom Cruise, right? Well, yeah, maybe like not Leonardo now, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah definitely. Overdue. Yeah. Who, overdue. yeah. Will Smith right now. Overdue. Oh, Will Smith. Oh, overdue. Will although, Smith. yeah, no although I think Leonardo DiCaprio is, like, overrated. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're, we're yeah. agreeing with you there, girl. You're in, you're in a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. So, Bradley Cooper underrated. So, hey, listen. I have a proposition. I think we all have so much to say. I'm going to say maybe we also talk about licorice pizza on this call tonight because that's more Bradley talk. And then maybe we save succession for next week's end of year thing. Because I know like Alyssa. Let's just say this about licorice pizza. We don't have to talk a lot. Okay. We could talk about succession. Licorice pizza is a very good movie that doesn't really have a point. But it has Bradley Cooper in it in the best scene in the movie. And there's Oscar buzz for that performance, but it's one scene. I just want to warn everybody if they're going to see it's, it. He's for doing him, a Helen Mirren, and it's like it's like two it's hours. Like a Judy Dench, 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 I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, it's been cited. A lot of critics are like, it's the best part of the movie, and they've actually like padded. <laughs> they've actually padded the commercials for this movie. With extra Bradley Cooper, do not be fooled. <laughs> like they're showing scenes advertising it's that character scene. in th- in the trailer or like in you know TV ads, and those aren't scenes that even made it into the final. So film. so he's got so he gets one scene, and he's it's more it's maybe like two or three, but it's we're talking like and, ten and minutes he's of all time. and so he's all so basically Licorice Pizza is giving him more play than Nightmare Alley. Yep, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, by yeah, a thousand percent. Won, he, yeah. he won a he won a film critics award. Like he's people like him in this movie, which is nice. But and I'd be thrilled if he got nominated. But it's not an Oscar worthy. I can't even say the word. Well, no. <laughs> I think Alyssa. I think a better way to say it is like it's not a career capping performance it's it's what you do when you're like a super talented versatile film performer and you can come in and do something so i I mean like i just want to say licorice pizza which is paul thomas anderson's movie set in the 70s primarily about a young man and a young woman kind of like circling each other in this crazy world around them in the valley of la but um bradley cooper comes in at one point and he plays a real character John Peters, who was a famous producer through the 70s and 80s, also very famously dated Barbara Streisand for about a decade or so. Um, Streisand. Streisand. That's a point of contention in the movie. Um, and he was like always wired, always hyper, often drugged out. And and so Bradley Cooper comes in and plays that and plays that to the hilt. So that's what's going on in that movie. And to me, it's nomination worthy. I think he's very good. But, but um, yeah. I also, Alana Haim is terrific. If anyone, you know, I love her band with her sisters. They're also in the movie. Um, Haim. Karen, have you heard of the band Haim? Haim. Okay. I mean, she's so good. She's such a natural. Yeah, she is surprisingly Um, great. 
And um, Cooper Hoffman is also really great. He's Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. I don't think he's acted before. So Paul Thomas Anderson gets some really great performances from them. You know, the movie's a little aimless, and it's meant to be because they're aimless characters. It's too long. There's It's episodic, but I recommend it. That one's doing well. Yeah, I've heard of- Having said that, uh, Alyssa is like, it's too long, it's episodic, but it's still among like the three or four best movies we have seen all year. All right. I, that's one I definitely want to see. Is that streaming? <laughs> no. 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 These are the ones we it's saw like, in the theater because no. we had to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only ones we've seen in the theaters. Oh, I mean, I, we'll, we've seen four in the theaters and they've all been really good. Okay. So we've made good choices. Yeah. And okay. we've ta- and I've talked about them now, either with or without Alyssa. Belfast, Come On, Come On with Joaquin Phoenix right. and Now Licorice Pizza and Nightmare Alley. Those are, those are I think, probably our four favorites thus far. All right. All right. Should we move over to Succession? I think we this should. Is like we've been aching to talk about this. I know. I'm gonna give you ladies the floor because I know you both are so passionate about it. Go for it, y'all. So Karen, I'm assuming you've seen I the full have season. Seen the full season. So we're down okay. to season three, right? We're at season three. Season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I mean, what can I say? But oh, wow. Um, yeah. I did wish. Before- yeah, there's no way to outsmart or second guess this show. Yeah, I mean, I will say, before, I wish I had um, done a rewatch because I feel like it had been gone for so long that I kind of forgot what happened, and it took me like three episodes to sort of get back into the headspace of where we were. Yeah, I don't know if you guys felt that way. I agree. I thought um, it took maybe up to like episode three or four for me to like get back into the right yeah but once we got there i just think that it was oh my amazing i I mean i almost kind of want to talk a little bit more about the backlash we're starting to see with it though i mean yeah you know i think that there was um seeing a lot more of people going i don't understand why people like this show um some, yeah. I, I can't remember where it was that I saw it. Somebody did a hatchet job on Shiv's character um, and about how she's like, I don't, I don't remember, but they, that she just is like a pointless character, um, which I mean, I, you know, you could kind of say that for all the kids, right? I mean, I think that's kind of the point is that they are extremely privileged and extremely wealthy and they're hard to sympathize with. And I think this is the thing that we're sort of repeat. I'm starting to see repeatedly in this backlash. Well, I just don't sympathize with them. And it's like, but you're not supposed to. Oh, I know. Yeah. You're not supposed to. It's this show is supposed to show them in their habitat without judgment. It's not about finding ones that you can empathize with or identify with. Chances are you won't with any of them. Hopefully you don't, but it's about showing them for what they are and doing so like in a very like sort of, arch comedic way as much as it is like a realistic way that's what makes it entertaining well, I think the problem i think the show can escape or i should say that a lot of people got it into their heads right away that it's like this is a, this is a veiled interpretation of the trumps mm-hmm. and to a lesser degree the murdochs but people aren't as like annoyed by the yeah. Murdochs you know they don't hate the Murdochs as much they just know Fox News 
but they're like, this is a, you know, this is supposed to be the Trumps, and I hate these, I can't watch these people, they're so unlikable, but it's like, it's clearly not the Trumps, like, just because there's two sons and a daughter. Um, <laughs> I am the oldest son. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's the oldest son, but like, <laughs> like no one ever said this is supposed to be the Trumps, but I, I think a lot of people can't get past that. But to that um, degree with the backlash, the backlash I'm seeing is people who do like the show who are like, it's not as good what? as it used to be. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. That to me is a total eye of the beholder take, not based on realistically what's going on in the show. You know, the the first couple episodes, I was a little worried because I felt like they were kind of giving in to fan service a little bit. Like everything felt very heightened and it was like, we're going to curse a lot and we're going to like really Mm. ramp up the comedy and like give the people what they want. Um, And I was... Like I can't. There's like too much going on, and there, it's everything is so heightened, and I don't know what's going on because like I only like kind of get the business talk of everything, but it doesn't really matter because that's not what's important. I sort of um, know what's going on without knowing what's going on yeah. when it comes to the nitty gritty yeah, of, of yeah, the family company. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's it's more about their the characters and their relationships for me, but. Yeah, I felt like I was like, oh, is this show like just giving in to fan service? And then I think it settled down like episode yeah. three or four. Yeah. I I thought it was in. I think that they start they 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 did it. They were filming it differently. Did you guys notice that, or was that me? There there it was a little bit more like. I think that there were some camera angles and camera pans that happened that felt a little bit more like The Office. Hmm. Oh, I don't know if I picked I up on that. Where it almost looked, it didn't have that sort of HBO TV quality to it. It almost felt maybe, I, I hate to say a little bit cheaper, but uh, a little bit cheaper, but I felt like it was on purpose. I felt like there was a purpose there behind it because it was only obvious. It was only like in a scene or two. It wasn't something throughout the whole the whole series so that's why i think that they did it on purpose i just not quite sure why they were doing it why they were doing that but there were some camera angles and pans and cuts and stuff like that where i where i felt like i was like oh my god is this like the office like they're with the way that they were filming hmm i just don't know if i noticed that okay maybe it was just me they always sort of did done sort of like the like disorienting pans and so i th- i i think okay. i get what you're I, I don't know that i've noticed it um before this series it was maybe uh, this season it was like much more obvious in this season i think um you know who else was a standout i think in, in this season it was kieran culkin I think he was oh you don't say <laughs> i know i know i know but beyond that, because I I love him forever, but he's gotten raves and the award nominations for the first two seasons and now for this season. But and I'm like, I don't really know what he's doing. Um, and I think this season he's finally giving the performance yeah. that everyone 
has been saying that he's giving. I think I agree. Excellent. Yeah, I, I would like to see him win something because I think that this season he really deserves it. Yeah, I agree. yeah, especially as we got towards some of the later moments in in later episodes of the season, what he's doing was very. Uh, there was like a lot of depth yeah. going on beneath what but you first saw and it was and interestingly i think that you know when we talk one of the things i like about this show is that you know is the 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 very thing that people are complaining about right well i just can't sympathize with any of the characters well actually yeah that is it's i actually find myself sympathizing with the characters and then horrified because they do something terrible that i felt sympathy that i was like empathizing with them and i felt for them you know because i think particularly with kieran there were moments um this season where my heart just kind of shattered for him because he just really wants his dad to love him. Like that is his sole motivation yeah. is that he wants his dad's approval and he almost right. had it and then he lost it. And y- you know I what think, I mean? And you could yeah. just see how hard he was working for it and how happy he was to almost have it. And then when he lost it, how crushing that, that was. Yeah. I also think they've gotten like much deeper like in they've gotten deeper into with the characters this year than they have been. Um like we're starting to understand a little bit more. There's like more references to their when they were younger um than we've gotten in the past two seasons that And you're right. It's like, I don't want to, like the last episode, for example, it's like, I was hoping they could stop Logan with the sale. Like, but I'm like, I don't know why I'm like on their side. Um, But I was. And then when they failed, it's like, I'm so heartbroken for these billionaires. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know who else I think in terms of performance I would. I, I really hope that they submit Alan Ruck for for that where he kept yeah. going. I'm the oldest boy. That scene. Yeah. No, he's doing such great stuff. Was really because he's kind of. It almost felt like a, like the first couple of seasons felt he was a little bit of a throwaway character. He was always kind of noodling in the background, and then they started bringing him in more and more. And then now his whole "I'm going to run for president." Now that has the sort of whiff of Trump, right? Um, going or a Trump scion, right? Like he's going to, and it's a joke because he's a joke, and he's got he's going to get like you know one half of, of a percentage of the votes, you know. Um, but I think his constant, again, that striving to sort of be this thing that is apart from his dad and his dad and the family. And then also the fact that he feels overlooked because Kendall is the golden boy and Kendall is treated as the oldest son. And the reality Mm. is Connor is, as he said again and again in that scene, the oldest son. And that's something that people always forget, including his his own family. And so again, like I sort of with with Kieran Culkin and Alan Ruck with these performances that they're turning in, like you're starting to really see that sort of you are seeing a depth there that I think I don't know if it wasn't there. I just think that the layers are peeling away now and we're really starting to see it a lot more. 
Do you know, I saw someone on Twitter today who was like, Connor is the worst character of them all. Like, as in the worst person on the show. And I was like, really? Connor? Like, did you watch one episode? <laughs> like, I guess, yeah. you know, there are people who like can't get guessed. Like, you, you mentioned that his run for president is like Trumpian. And I think people, there were so many people who are so sensitive to like anything vaguely Trumpian yeah. that they're like, I can't, I can't watch this. It's, you know, we've already had a buffoon in the White House and, mm-hmm. and this is just making fun of it. But it's like, I don't think Connor but is I actually going to win. I love the way that there was like a tease there for a minute where I kept going, right? Yes. What was that? What episode was that where it? The episode where they're like considering who to like yeah. throw their support. Mm-hmm. And Logan is, that the is Virginia like, episode? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Logan is like, what about Connor? Like, he's handsome, and he's this, and he's that, and Connor's looking so proud behind him. And then he's like, no, nah, never but for, mind. Yeah, yeah. But there was just that minute where I was like, imagine if he was, yeah. right? Yeah, and, I was like, and, oh, they're going to go. Yeah, there? and I really <laughs> thought that they might, because, like, imagine if Connor Roy was in the White House, what Logan could get away with right sure and i was like why wouldn't and that's the thing that i'm sort of now trying to come to terms with like okay this would actually be really good for roy starwake like this would be really really good for logan roy and the family why wouldn't he throw his weight behind him i suppose because if it was a big failure then it would be an embarrassment on his part but but i had that same thought i was like yeah i i because the thing I love about the show is that nothing Chekhov's guns always Mm. go off, you know, like the whole first season we heard about the cruise ships and every week Doug and I would be like, are we ever going to go back to the cruise ships? Like, are we ever going to talk about that again? And like that came back in a huge way. And like Connor running for president, it's like a little detail. And now it just keeps rearing its ugly head. So it's like, there's nothing you know, nothing ever gets lost on this show. Everything is always going to come back in a real right. organic way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike Melrose Place. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that we also should maybe mm. props to Jeremy Strong, who um, was probably sure. the, the one character through this season who was really on my last nerve. Um, and I don't think that that was necessarily a bad thing. I mean, as he should be, because, because he, he was doing me. terrible things as a person. Yeah, and yeah. he was, um, and he was, and he was falling apart too. I mean, I, I, the moment in that TV right. studio where he was going to go on that show, and then pulled out yeah. at the last minute and was like hiding in the electronic room, um, in the server room, was like kind of truly extraordinary and i do think that jeremy strong does amazing yeah. work um regardless of he how he is amazing gets there right he is amazing yeah yeah if we don't say good things aaron sorkin will come after us well, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i but i do i love i love jeremy strong and yes me too. i i i love him like that's all i think he's excellent like i i think he is our mm-hmm. dustin hoffman yeah the way without the success <laughs> without the success so far but i think like the way their method their the way they like get so deep into characters and talent wise i think he's 
the closest we have to Justin. And Hoffman. also, don't try I and be likable. They commit to whatever the character yeah. is. Yeah. 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 I know we keep saying Daniel Day Lewis because that's who he he loves and emulate wants to emulate, but it's I think it's a total Dustin well, Hoffman thing. Did you read the New Yorker yep. profile that everybody's been talking about? Most of it. Yeah. And I didn't read it, so I'm just curious. I mean, I don't, I don't think he comes off bad. I think, I don't, either. I don't think people understand that, like, if you're a creative person and you have a process, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Like, it just means you're taking something very seriously to get the outcome that's needed. And I've seen the outcome, which is some of the best, deepest performing in this art form that I've seen in 25 years. Right. And meanwhile, I don't hear anything about you being bad to people or bad to your family or your kids. Mm-hmm. So I think you're a good guy who who just commits deeply to something in a creative forum. Right. Good for you. And also, I think, you know, going back to what we were saying about Bradley Cooper, it's like he's never talking about like how hard he has to work. And it's like tons of people talk about that like Anne Hathaway talked about constantly about how how hard she had to work can for Les Mis and like Doug and I have been making fun of Lady Gaga and her like <laughs> yeah. crazy interviews about the house of Gucci and we love Lady Gaga but like we go around the apartment like quoting her because like she's well because she's like she's like this whole in house of gucci caused me so much pain yeah. and i had to work so hard and then you see the ads for it and it's all like it's time to take out the trash i mean it's like this is a camp <laughs> performance yeah but you know if if the public decides they like you they're gonna be like you work so hard this is amazing and if they don't like you or they you know you're not in the inner circle it's like you're crazy and we don't want to hear anything about it like daniel day lewis is insane like i mean <laughs> he lived in a log cabin and learned how to butcher meat and like sat in a wheelchair for whatever amount of time to do my left foot and people are like he's incredible like he's the greatest actor and it's like he's still doing the same thing he's just not out there being like look at me right. in my log cabin right i mean i don't think do you think jeremy was doing that though or do you think he just ended up in a bad place because he agreed to do it because i mean talk about not doing much press like i think this is the first piece of press i think i've really seen him do yeah yeah this was the biggest this thing I, I i'd seen about him this year yeah he's been sort of mia this season like kieran culkin is everywhere you know um, who else is nicholas like braun decided- Oh, well, he's a horse of a different color. Cousin Greg, I'm sure, has gotten a new publicist because he's everywhere. Well, he deserves to be everywhere. He's fantastic. I sort of feel like they need to shit or get off the pot with that character, though, because I'm not quite sure. I feel like the season, as the season progressed, they sort of didn't know what to do with him. So I think poor Cousin Greg didn't know what to do with him. Like he just was yeah. Sort of, cousin Greg's never gonna like, know what to do. Like he just was yeah. like, oh shit! Like I don't know. He just always looked like heart, like scared to death, and that's what I loved. Like he just didn't. He was trying to play. Yeah. He was trying to play both sides, or maybe like all th- like three sides, like, right? And he was failing yeah. at all of it. And I think that's kind of the whole point with Greg, well, for, right? <laughs> but for me, there has to, like, there has to be some not growth but like 
he has to be working towards something. Like somehow contributing it, to like, the story movement. Like he intentionally saved copies of all of the documents that he was asked to destroy very right. early on in season one. That was like episode four or five. I think five. I think it's five. Um, yeah. And so it's like, oh, he's like more in control of things than we realize. And then we think he's going to be backing Kendall this season and it sort of dies away and he's aimless for the next six episodes or so. So I need him to have a purpose, I guess, other than his fun banter with Tom. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't I I, I feel like right, like I still feel like he has this purpose. He's kind of he's he's really the outsider because yeah, he was supposed to be like the yeah, audience surrogate, and, and, and I guess. even though I think yeah. I think Tom to a degree could play that role because he also like they yeah. really and yeah. they really made it a point to point out what an outsider Tom was mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. this season. But I think you know Tom and Greg both are the kind of like very easily can lose their footing um, with this family because they are outsiders. They were not brought up in this wealth. They were not brought up playing these really savage games that, that's true you yeah. know and so i think that that's i think that's i always feel like that's kind of why greg is stumbling around and the fact that you know when we met him he was a stoner that couldn't hold down a job in the theme park <laughs> throwing yeah. up in the eyes of uh <laughs> and all of a sudden he's like in the c-suite and and shit's falling apart you know and he's got a grandfather right. that disowns him and you know it's it's because you know he hates Lo- his his brother Logan is suing, suing Greenpeace, Greenpeace, which is right? like fucking yeah. hilarious. And he just it's like he doesn't belong in that world, and I feel like we're constantly being reminded of that. You know, he's not like the rest of them. Yeah. But you know, I say that, but it's like. I trust Jesse Armstrong and the writers of the show. Like, yeah, they know where they're going. They're they just feel totally in control. Like, it's one of the only shows I've ever watched where I feel like they're not making it up as they go. Yeah, along. like there's a clear purpose here. They're really driving towards something. And the and the thing is, like, you can never like you can't guess it, right? Like, I honestly right. did not see what happened at the end of season three. Like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I feel like I've been that way every season yeah. with the show, yeah. I, I think it's because it's sort of, I don't want to say small potatoes because it's not, but it's I think because it's so contained within this mm-hmm. world that they have a better, they have a better handle on it. I wonder what kind of research they did. Yeah. Because it seems so authentic. Um, yeah, I mean, they definitely seem to have a firm grip on this world. I'd be really curious how much actual research was involved versus just having a vision. Like, I'm thinking, okay, like, I'm thinking of Stewie. Right? Mm. I've met Stewie, you know, at parties or, you know, yeah. Like yeah, Aaron Moyad or like, people like Stewie? We sat oh, next the to actual the actor, Arian, not not just like generic Stewies of the world. Got it. But I, no, but I mean, I mean the generic Stewies of the world. 
Oh, I was like, I, I too have Stewie. met no, Stewie. I, I mean, so I've met, I mean, like, I've met the Stewie. Like, I've met people like that. Like, these jackasses. I mean, that is Gary. That's Gary V, right? Like, let's Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, oh, you know, I, uh, I once interviewed to work for him. Did you interview with <laughs> Gary? I didn't interview with him. I interviewed to work at his company, VaynerMedia. Um, to work for the chief heart officer. Because I was going to say, meeting Gary, like, is he insane? Um, he seems it. Oh, my God. I'm probably going to get sued. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, allegedly. I never I never met him, but the way they talked about him. Um, but I did. I interviewed for, at VaynerMedia. I had a few interviews. Huh. I didn't get the job. I feel like I've interviewed for everybody who ever, always comes up. <laughs> it's like Scott Rudin, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you know, dodged a bullet with that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was sort of like we'll see what happens. Nothing else to do. <laughs> I swear, I think they heard I had a fiance, and they were like, "Oh, she she can't work here. She's got a life." Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. She maybe really have good footing in the real yeah. world. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> not somebody that we can pick on. Um. But yeah, so yeah, I was just kind of like, because I feel, I mean, not like I know the world of, you know, media billionaires, but I feel that there is something here that just feels like, oh yeah, like this feels really authentic. It does. Yeah, definitely. At any rate, guys, that was Succession. Yeah, I I loved it. What a season. I'm not, I'm not going to go back on my love for it. I'm not going to second guess it. No, I'm nope. not either. I think people came. I feel like I saw the backlash dissolve the longer it went on. But it's just so nice to have people watching the show. Yeah, and it got a lot of, and it's yeah. getting a lot of, and it's still getting a lot of awards love. That doesn't seem to be dropping yeah. off, which is really wonderful. So I'm going to bed. <laughs> Yep. So, all right, guys. Thanks. This was a a, a very special, my favorite things holiday episode. <laughs> we had um, guest stars. So, we if had... you can, yeah. Thank you, Sid, for joining, and thanks, Alyssa, for uh, continuing to join. And um... thanks for thanks for enabling me. For <laughs> <more>. <laughs> we love Bradley Cooper. And uh, now we're going to go talk about Bradley Cooper. We somewhere. love Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Look, I have. I have PR experience. If he needs a publicist, I'm here. I can get him an Oscar <laughs> like that. I promise. Or I can get him blacklisted. It's probably going to be the latter. I'm good at that. <laughs> I can get him to maybe show up at the drama desks. No. <laughs> but uh, I'm putting it out there for him. That's it. We're doing the secret. Putting it out there. <laughs> all right karen time for bed you guys have a great holiday all of our listeners thanks for sticking with us all year especially um have a good holiday and stay safe and uh, we will be back on the boulevard next bye. week bye bye guys <laughs>